Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. Yeah, all right. This is, of course, the Fizzle Show, our chance to help freelancers, creatives, and indie entrepreneurs by sharing the nuts and bolts of building a small business that actually works. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about the art and science of supporting yourself doing something you care about. Your hosts are Barrett Brooks, Steph Crowder, Corbett Barr, and me, Chase Reeves. We run Fizzle.co, a website full of training courses to help you run a small business. And more importantly, where you'll find the community of entrepreneurs who won't let you quit. Try your first five weeks for free on us, absolutely, when you go to fizzle.co slash try. Now, in this episode, do you work from home or manage a team that works remotely? Have you felt how inefficient and lackluster sometimes running a decentralized team can be? Well, uh, it's nice, you know, to sidestep the whole uh cost of setting up an office and the commutes and the daytime interruptions that come with going remote, but the challenges can build up. So in this episode, you're going to learn exactly how we solve these problems. You know, stuff like how to feel like a team, even when you're completely remote from one another. The systems that you need to run smoothly, we get into our company operating system. The tools to use to communicate and stay productive remotely. These are the kinds of things we cover. So basically, the whole show is about how not to just kludge something together. (laughs) We learned that little uh, word here later on in the show. Uh, And how to instead create an environment for a fully functional remote team. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 122. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to the Fizzle Show. We are so blessed to have you with us. Barrett, how are you doing out there? So good. I love it when you do things like that. Steph, <laughs> Steph, how are you? It's a beautiful day in America. You betcha. Make America great again, as my buddy Donald Trump always says. Um, that was a joke. Please, dear <laughs> listener, that was a joke. This is not a political show. Uh, okay, so, uh, and Barrett, Barrett, or Corbett, you're here with me. How are you feeling, buddy? I'm feeling fantastic. Yeah, you are. Boy, are we enthusiastic. We are feeling G-O-O-D, uh. <laughs> wow! I gotta be honest, I don't feel very good, but I'm gonna push through anyways. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I'm just kidding. I feel fine. You guys, I really missed you last week. I have Steph, to say. we really Steph. missed you. Oh, we miss you too. You know um, how you make that not happen? You just don't go on vacation. Never take a vacation. We almost literally blew up the show last week. We did. Literally. You, you need to imagine me listening back to that myself. I was. Yeah. Were you just shaking your head? I, I was think like, what people, is going on? I think people enjoyed it because they knew that it wasn't still going to be a weekly thing. It was just like a call back to the old days. <laughs> Did people enjoy it? Do we have evidence of that? Yeah. yeah. A lot of people wrote yeah. back and said, you know, yeah. this was funny and I actually got something out of it. Well, it, it, it was like a, one of those steam release valves. We just had to push on a little bit yeah. yeah we had quite a lot of energy flowing last week for for those of you who haven't who haven't listened to last week's episode fizzleshow.co slash one two one the title of that episode is how exactly am i supposed to make something people want it was a good episode we did miss steph on that show but uh, uh how do you put it uh, daddy got a little crazy <laughs> daddy got a little, little bit of the crazy special sauce all right <laughs> kung pao chicken i was i'm a ninja there was a uh, a pretty good uh, comment <laughs> <What>? on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Got him. 
pretty good comment on iTunes recently. Um, he says, the first time Aaron Chatham says, the first time you listen to these guys, you may get a sense of confusion. Do these guys actually run a business? <laughs> <laughs> and yet. Oh, that's great. And yet Only Aaron sometimes. gave us five stars and seems to really enjoy this. And show. we do actually run a business. And today on the show, we're going to teach you how to run yours from remote settings. No, let me let me scratch that. <laughs> what you're managing a remote team, so this means that I'm in the Bahamas and everybody else is, is sometimes slaving at the the office. Or you could be. So, Barrett, the title of our episode today is, or, or what we're gonna topic is, is what now? Managing and working with remote teams. Okay, so these are teams that are in the Bahamas. Maybe um, you know the concept for this kind of comes from the idea that with technology the way it is today teams of people working towards the same goal on the same mission within a company can work from uh, distributed locations anywhere around the world. And so examples of this are Automatic. So the company that Matt Mullenweg leads that builds WordPress. Um, I think Buffer has a remote culture. I know Groove has a a remote culture. Um, There's quite a few examples of this, of growing companies that have employees either spread across a country spread across the entire world or kind of living wherever they want to, but still getting their work done effectively. And so this is a question we get a lot, you know, is how does that work exactly? And we've seen big companies like Yahoo when Marissa Mayer took over, bring all of her remote employees back internally because they couldn't figure out how to make it work well for them. So a lot of people have questions and people like Paul Graham over at Y Combinator even have challenges to this idea that teams can work effectively remotely. So we're going to talk about how to make it work if you want to have a remote team today. Okay, now we're going to cover three sections about this. All right, I want to break up our show into a couple different categories. The first one is people. The second one is tools. And the third one is systems. Am I getting that right? That is so right. That is so right. All right, I'm setting my timer, Barrett. You have... uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the pot calling the kettle black here. That's a little long there, pal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, you got it about 14 minutes to let me know, uh, to, for us to get out all of this stuff about people. There's great irony. So, show listener, what you should now do is you should time the amount of time Chase spends talking and the amount of time everyone else spends talking. Mm-hmm. Chase minutes. is going to talk for 15 and a half minutes and you then complain that you didn't finish. 13 minutes left. Okay, so, 13 minutes left. First topic is people. And the reason we start with people, I think, is that we all agree on our team that it takes the right kind of people in order to be able to work effectively when you're not in the same place. So, you know, Corbett, you kind of started with the idea that a remote team was a great way to work. And I'd love to just start with why did you think that was the right idea and kind of how did you find someone to test that hypothesis to begin with? Well, there's two reasons for me. The first is a selfish reason, which is that I choose to spend good portions of the year living elsewhere in Mexico in the winters and sometimes traveling for an extended period of time, um, like to Europe or Italy or whatever. Um, actually, those are in the same place, aren't they? Italy and Europe. Um, <laughs> yes. So that's that's a selfish reason. The not-so-selfish reason, well, I guess it's selfish in some ways, but um, is that the idea is generally... That if you can find really great people who might not happen to live where you live because of technology, um, the idea is that you can work together just as efficiently as you might if you lived in the same place. So it opens up your hiring pool to folks that live all around the world, or at least, you know, in your general like vicinity within a couple of time zones or whatever. It's not necessarily easy to work 12 hours apart, but yeah. at least working a couple of hours apart doesn't seem to be too hard. So 
that was the idea. I didn't know where I was going to be living. And um, I knew that there were great people who might want to work with me who didn't necessarily live where I lived at the time. Nice. And so that kind of start your first remote employee, at least on a part-time or full-time basis was Caleb, right? Back before Fizzle even existed. Yeah. So when Caleb and I, Caleb Wojcik, uh, who was just a guest on the show again recently. Yeah. Um, I'll find the, I'll find the couple episode of episodes number. ago. Caleb was actually living in Seattle at the time and I was living in uh, San Francisco. And I hired Caleb because partly because I realized I hadn't taken like a true vacation in a long time. I had traveled a lot, but there was no time when I had um, actually disconnected for a week or two from work and not had to like juggle a bunch of stuff while I was trying oh, man, to vacation. That can be just, that can bring so much life back in your veins. You know what I mean? It can. And so, um, I hired Caleb because I was taking a trip to Europe. I actually was headed over there for about six weeks or so. And while I was over there, I wanted to be able to totally disconnect for a couple of weeks. And so I brought him on, got him up to speed. Um, he lived in Seattle. I lived in San Francisco. Then I went to Europe and I was working over there. And then I took a couple of weeks off, and all the while he was holding down the fort in Seattle. I mean, then, was he physically holding a fort down, or mm-hmm. was there? Yep. yep, yep, stakes in the ground and everything. What um, exactly did your business do at the time? <laughs> there are modern tools for these sorts of things. <laughs> that, by the way, that was episode one one nine one nineteen fizzleshow dot co slash one nineteen. Excellent. So then you started uh, Fizzle. So clearly this idea of remote working appealed to you because Chase was in Portland and you were in San Francisco back when things got started, right? Mm-hmm. So anyways, we built the Fizzle team remotely at this point. So when I joined the team, uh, Corbett was in San Francisco, Chase was in Portland, uh, Caleb was down in San Diego, and I was here in Atlanta. And then, you know, Caleb kind of shifted off and Steph came on from Chicago. So right now we're in three different cities as a team. And we and, were, we were in four recently. We right. were, we had everyone in a different city. Yep, totally. So what from, I mean, any of your minds, do you think it takes as a individual contributor to a team like this? What kind of characteristics do you think you have to have to be able to, to work remotely and still get things done and, and feel like you're part of a team? The first thing that comes to mind for me is just that ability to, to not beyond stay on task. You kind of, you are your own boss. In some ways, it's almost more than just staying on task. Yeah. I mean, principally, it's like I have things to do and I do those instead of checking on Facebook all day long, which uh, maybe one day out of three, I'll do that. Actually, I won't uh, I won't look at Facebook. I'll actually do my work. But most days I'm looking at Facebook principally. That's sort of (laughs) I'm the creative director. I can do what I want. Um, But uh, so there's not only that, that, that sense of like actually doing what you know you're supposed to do, but in some ways, the way that we're managing our team. I mean, we're a small business and everybody, everybody wears big hats here. There's very little like us, like telling Barrett or Steph what to do or vice versa. You know what I mean? We're kind of all defining our own paths and we're trusting you when Barrett, when you say, I'm going to do this and Steph says, okay, well, I'll focus on this then. We all go like, yeah, that all sounds good. Let's all, I mean, stay on, stay on course. You know, so to me, it's that self-motivating sort of self-starting thing. Yeah, because there are periods where, Sometimes we don't talk to each other much for a day or two. Yeah, I mean, just because we're we're principally just really mad at each other. You know, mm-hmm. we just can't. We're mm-hmm. steamed. Steamed. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> what no, do you I think, think of Barrett? What I do you think? There is some yeah. element of you. You do have to be able to get things done, but that's that's to me kind of. I guess when I think about that, it's maybe you're looking for those people who are the most valuable contributors in traditional work settings are sometimes the people who thrive most in remote work settings. So the people who 
show up and get their work done. And traditional work settings tend to be the overachievers, the people who are ambitious. They set their own plans to begin with. They set higher goals and are expected of them in their roles. I think when those people roll out of traditional work environments and they go to work on remote teams, they can work really well just because of their ambition and their drive and just that innate feeling of wanting uh, to get things done every day. But I think those same people sometimes underestimate the value of having people around as they're working. It's easy to see this kind of grass is greener on the other side and say, I wouldn't have to go to you know a place of work. I wouldn't have to commute. I wouldn't have to do all these things. But there's also the reality that you know, you have to be okay with the fact that you are going to be working alone on a lot of days as an individual. And we'll talk a lot about communication and how important that is soon, but you know, you're going to be at your home or at your co-working space or whatever, kind of working in your own little bubble because your team's remote. You're not going to be in the same place with them very often. So you have to be okay with that too. You know, being alone, working alone, getting your work done on your own. Um, a third thing I would say is you have to be a good communicator. You have to be able to kind of put ideas on paper or in the type box or whatever so that your team knows what you need help on, what you're working on, how that fits into the projects that are going on across the team and how they can jump in and help when, when you need it. And so I think communication is a huge thing that you have to be able to focus on and get across when you're working from all over the country. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think that this is all about balance. I have found so far in being on the team, I think that, you know, on the one hand, you guys mentioned that you want people who are self-motivated, who are doers, but there's also this sort of ugly other end of that spectrum, which is it's very easy to overwork. It's very easy to look at your phone first thing in the morning and then work all the way until the moment that you go to bed, you have your laptop open when you're trying to spend family time, when your home is your office. It's pretty easy to, I could see how it would be easy to burn out if you didn't really set some clear boundaries there. So sometimes being an overachiever in a traditional setting does require you to reassess, you know, if you're going to be in a remote setting, how to make sure that you have that balance in place. So that's the first thing for me. And then the second thing is to Barrett's point about, you know, not necessarily realizing how valuable it is to be around people all day. I think that is definitely true to an extent, but there's another part of me that thinks, you know, I look back on my days running a department and I have never felt more productive than getting to work by myself because I had 26 people who were reporting to me and there was never a moment in that office when people weren't vying for my attention just because they were right in front of me. And literally, if I wanted to get a project done, I had to find places in my office building to hide. That was is something I had to do a lot. And <laughs> I think sometimes that just being in the same physical space, people may not think as independently because it's really easy to just kind of turn your head to your boss who sits next to you and say, Hey, how am I supposed to tackle this particular problem? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, that's yeah, definitely I think, true. I think a lot of people feel that even if you don't have a team reporting to you necessarily, it's just that reactive fire putting out nature of being in an office where you kind of turn from one conversation to the next over and over again. Yeah. And then you, you finish up and you're like, where did the day go? I have friends who work in the corporate environment who, um, you know, work in a regular traditional office and they have to either come in two or three hours before everybody else, or they right. have to stay two or three hours later yeah. just in order to get work done because during the work hours, you're just not going to get anything done. And that that's a big benefit to me of a remote work environment. Not only can you find people, um, you know, wherever they might live, the best people, but you also get this, um, this long, uninterrupted flow time every day 
when you can actually focus and get some work done, which is a breath of fresh air if you've worked in a big office before. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and prior to joining Fizzle, I, I thought I was an independent thinker. And I think to a large degree I was, but you totally are in for a whole new world of independent thinking. And I think you really do have to stand behind your work when you're working remotely because, you know, just like Chase mentioned, we're all wearing such big hats on a small team. And, you know, I want to be able to own my part of the business. And I think it's a little bit different when you can, like I said, just sort of turn to the person next to you and say, hey, can I run this past you really quick? Of course, there's good and bad to that, but I do think it challenges you to grow to a new level of confidence in your own independent work when you have to stand by it as an individual. Yeah, I uh, believe you. you. Know, uh, Jason Fried wrote an interesting little editorial article for Inc. talking about this problem of people overworking that you mentioned, Steph. And so, you know, I don't think that's just us either. I do think it's a common occurrence where because ambitious people are able to perform or driven people rather are able to perform in remote environments because they're self-motivated, like you're saying, it's hard to shut off and yeah. there's no real valve release valve for that. You know, there's not like a, everyone's checking out at the end of the day and therefore you should stop. So there is, there does have to be those habits built in, which maybe goes to systems, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But you know, one thing I want to bring up for sure, because I know some people will, will ask the question is like, well, if you're talking about remote teams, like why is Barrett moving to Portland? And if it's more valuable to work apart, then why would you be together? And at least for me, I think that there's kind of this sweet spot in the middle, which is to say, maybe the idea is not to show up to the office every day, all day and distract each other all the time. But I do find value personally in, you know, going to be able to work on a project for a couple hours and have that flow time, like you talked about Corbett, and also being able to grab a drink after work or grab lunch in the middle of the day or whatever, and have that connection time as well. So you're telling me you're lonely. Yeah. And I don't think we're saying that that remote, I think a lot of people carry a big stick about remote being better or, or whatever. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't believe it's better. I don't believe it's worse. There's no, going to be con pros and cons. But, to you know, look at it this way. If we had been really strict about not working with people who didn't live in our city, then yeah. none of us would be, be working but, together But I think, right now. yeah. So to me, it feels very much like this is a nature, this is a beast of necessity that, that like we would never, I would never, we would, we were not thinking even for a second that we would we would mandate people live in the same town, even though we always knew like, but it'd be great if they did, but we always just hired the best person available. And because, because we're so limited in terms of our yeah. resources, we couldn't think about having an office or anything like that. So we're not, yeah, we're not, us we're that. not like really dogmatic about it either way, but um, we do recognize that there are times when the kind of work you're doing is best done alone. And there are times when the kind of work you need to do is best done yeah. with a group of people all together. And that's one of the limitations of being a truly remote team. Yeah. Um, you don't get that together time. And so we try to build that into our year by getting together, you know, at least three or four times yeah. all in the same place per, yeah. for a week or more. That's a big deal. Yeah. I think that's a big deal. And that probably is something that could go into systems. So let's, maybe let's go ahead and make right. that transition to, uh, let's just well, hold jump on. into- Before we do that, one, one more thing. And that's just the uh, the- it needs to be said that the difference between working on a team and not is actually a really big difference. Yep. I mean, for me to be able to, now I've gotten in the habit of whenever I'm writing a script for a course or, uh, or for these roadmap videos that we're making right now, I have a call with each one of you. I have a quick 10 minute call. Okay. Say you're doing a webinar, a webinar with people on this. How would you just kind of, what, what, what would you cover on this kind of topic? And then I get the ideas and I'm able to synthesize those. And it, and it helps me so much to not be so far up my own head that I, you know, basically lose, uh, like, like that save <laughs> that I basically lose, <laughs> lose track of what I'm actually making. Okay. So that's uh 46 seconds left. We're just in time. So let's go to the next 
phase of the conversation. Well, Barrett, let's go to systems is, instead of tools next, just because we've okay. already talked a little bit about systems. And so let's just talk first about a little bit more about this idea of making sure that we do get in person. So I think maybe we've done retreats before, even before I joined the team, I know y'all did some in-person stuff, but I think last year we kind of said, okay, let's try, you know, three or four times a year to set a time where we're going to be in person so that we can count on that three, four or five days together to get those things done that necessitate being together. And I, from my perspective, at least those times have been some of our biggest times of breakthrough and collaboration that have led to, it's almost like you do the planning and the strategy work and the brainstorming during those together times so that you have things to execute on when you go back away from one another. That's how I felt about it so far. Well, and I think part, part of what makes them so powerful is the fact that we don't live near each other in real life. Do you know exactly. what I mean? If it's, it's cheapened when you're, when you're all in the same space all the time and maybe go get, even though you're all in the same place, say we're all in Portland, we're all living here. Well, we can do a retreat. We can go to someplace and, and new ideas will start to flow. We'll be in, just in a new environment. It's a little right, bit right. fresher, but, um, but that that's, I, I feel exactly the same Barrett that, you know, in those few times that we've all gotten together as a team, um, it, it does, it, there, there's just a heightened sense of energy and enthusiasm. And not just that, though. I mean, those things lead to actual real decisions being made and Absolutely. work being done. And I think that's something that a lot of people might overlook if um, we've talked recently about this, I think, in terms of hiring VAs mm-hmm. and what sort of value you're going to get from using a VA. A lot of people hire people who are remote, but they kind of keep them at arm's length. They don't let them into the inner circle of the team and yeah. and the the strategic decisions that you're making. And I think you you leave a lot on the table. Um, if you're just a, a solo entrepreneur and you have a VA or you have somebody who's like a you know a designer for you and somebody who does some other you know kind of work for you, um, it's tempting to just think of them as oh this resource that's out there who lives in Boston yeah. or whatever that I never see. I think you would get a lot from having a retreat even with those kinds of people even if they are part time. Yeah, Not that you have deal. to do it four times a year, but you'd be surprised like getting to know people on a personal basis and just having fun and going out to dinner and um, out to drinks or whatever yeah. opens up a lot of um, conversational avenues that you might not otherwise have. And then like Barrett said, like once you start having fun and the ideas start flowing, then that's when you really get to the breakthrough time when you ma- we make a ton of progress sometimes yeah. in three days that we didn't make for six months beforehand. That's where I'll say one of the trips that we did this on, we actually... Instead of having those big, it's really the temptation is you just get together and you have this high level conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the big picture. What are the strategies for this next few months? You know, before we see each other again in person, basically. And this one time, we all got together and instead of doing that big picture stuff, we just cranked on. This is you, me, and Barrett in San Francisco. We just cranked on the projects that we already had. Mm-hmm. We just were like, okay, let's implement a feature box. Okay, let's do this, that, and the other. And we we probably knocked off, I don't know, 15 or 20 things from our list altogether. Because, and a couple of them that ended up being really big. Yeah, yeah. and th- they were just, it was just this sprint session. So not that these, the, the, the temptation is to, when it's such a rare thing to get all in the same space, to make it a very sort of high level existential kind of thing, a very woo woo sort of deal. Um, There can be a ton of value and scheduling your next one to be just like, all right, we're all coming. We're sprinting all day long. You know, then we're going to go on a river raft, you know, thing. And then we're, we're coming back and we're getting drunk and it's going to get inappropriate. (laughs) So (laughs) of course it always has to get inappropriate. So just to take a step back about systems in general, um, we're talking about systems, meaning these are, 
things that we repeatedly do as mm-hmm. a team to make us work as effectively as we can. Yeah. And a team that works um, non-remotely, locally, whatever you want to call it, they have systems too, right? Mm-hmm. You would have things that you do on a repeated basis. Uh, it's just that when you work remotely, it becomes, I think, more important because you don't have that constant like rhythm of somebody stops by your office and they're like, okay, now on that thing we were talking about, I just want to make sure that yeah. X, Y, and Z. To that point, I remember a, a blog post by Adi Pinar, Adi Pini, Pinar, uh, who have Wu things. And uh, he, they were just turning off, they were just, uh, they used to have like a work from home Friday. And they were just canceling that. Because what he said was like, people were taking advantage of it, not actually getting their work done. They were X, Y, and Z. For those reasons, it's hard to know whether people are actually doing their work or not. or whether. And that's, that's what, I feel like we have such a small crew that it's really it, like it's hard not to do your work. Everybody knows what everybody's doing because like everybody's depending on one another. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. so what's we funny a bigger about that team. idea is if you go around any given office at any given point, probably the majority of people aren't actually doing their work. Exactly. They're oh, watching God. a YouTube video. Yeah. They're on Facebook. They're yeah. doing all the same things that people do I from used home. to be a master time waster. Totally. Oh, yeah. And the only difference is yeah. you can't see them wasting time. Yeah, and no, so it's not. It's it's really just becomes more about performance. I think at that point. Which well, this comes, is this is the myth, or this is not not the myth, but it's the dream. It's the dream of remote work. It's the dream of, uh, you know, of of what of what the four hour work week really represents is that you're judged by your productivity by the things you actually produce the work you actually do instead of how you do it whether or not you show up here what you're dressing like right whether whether or not uh you you look or look good or not based yeah. because like what you do that that's not an important thing i'll judge you based on the work that you do instead of yeah it's funny i think now obviously we're all like very close to the business um yeah. and so that that dynamic is different from when say i worked for a big company because a lot of times there you're just so disconnected from the purpose of the business that yeah. you don't care as much but now i feel like i beat myself up a lot more if i waste a couple of hours in the afternoon or if i just don't feel, you know you get in that mood you're yeah. just like i just don't yeah. feel like working i just can't think right now totally um i really beat myself up over those hours and i feel like they're so wasted whereas I remember just looking for ways to kill three hours um, yeah. when I worked for a big company. Totally. You know, just because it's just, you, it's so easy to, to Actually mentally check out. Actually getting bored. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually getting bored. Yeah. Oh, I remember so that. So this goes to our system that we use that we talked a little bit before, I think, on the podcast for tracking the work that we want to do and accomplish each week. So we have kind of a check-in, check-out system where every Monday morning we answer three questions in our Slack app, which we'll get to in the tools section. But the three questions are, what are you planning to work on this week? Number one, are you off any days this week? Number two, and number three, do you need help with anything? And so, you know, that kind of creates each of our own individual to-do lists for the week in the first question. And the second question, it sets expectations for if anyone's going to be out of the office uh, or whatever, away from their computer. Uh, and number three, it says, Hey, I need to collaborate with X, Y, and Z on this project that I'm working on in order to get it done. And so it kind of sets expectations for the week. And then on Friday we come back and we answer a few questions again, which are number one, uh, what did you do this week? Which is basically owning, uh, what you did or didn't do from that checklist you set on Monday. Number two, are you out any days next week? So kind of setting the stage for that. And then number three, what are you going to work on next week? And so you're already on Friday setting your intention for the following week for what you need to get done. So it's kind of this nice cycle where everyone gets to see publicly what everyone else is working on and what they're accomplishing each week. 
Steph, I'm curious to hear, what's your experience of the check-in, check-out process? How has it been for you? Well, it's incredibly helpful. And I was also going to add to, you know, one of the first things that I remember Corbett had shared with me um, when I joined the team was the company operating system. And that's another huge system that I think is especially beneficial when you have new remote workers or employees joining the team. Um, But just to kind of have our values laid out as well as different abbreviations that we use, um, the check-in, check-out process, all the tools laid out in one place as a you know newcomer to a remote team and being in a more traditional environment before that it just really made me feel like everything was very well thought out and i think to me that is i think what we're really talking about in general with these systems is it enables you to have a healthy company culture and i read something really interesting in the um, in the zapier article that one of you guys sent around and This really turned on a light bulb for me, which is that in a local environment, culture, and this has been my experience too, culture can kind of get ignored because it's almost like a given, right? Like if we have great employees showing up to the same place, we have a cool looking office, we're going to have a great culture, which is not always necessarily the case. Unfortunately, it's really easy for culture to go by the wayside. And that's why you have people optimizing for optics and waiting until you know, sitting in their chair till 5.30 so they can leave at the end of the day. Um, But on the flip side, when you're on a remote team, you know that having culture is going to be difficult. Therefore, you put in more effort to, to create a culture. And something from that article that resonated with me is culture is about more than ping pong tables, which kind of gave me a laugh because in a lot, at least here in Chicago, there's a lot of great companies that, you know, you see pictures of the interior of their office and it's foosball and PlayStation and all these other great perks. Um, but at the end of the day, that's, that's culture is about a lot more than that. At least that's kind of what I have found so far. Oh, but wouldn't it be great to have a ping pong table, you guys? <laughs> oh my God. It ping pong is fun. Once, I mean, uh, we will have made it. I would love that. Maybe a foosball table too. I don't even know how to play foosball. So but what then, other systems do we use, guys? Um, okay, so we've got the check-in, check-out process. Yep. We've got this this larger concept of the co- company operating system, mm-hmm. which to me is, is it's still kind of hard to get at. How, how do you put that, Corbett, when, when you tell someone about the company operating system? What is it? I think it's just the, the set of processes that we repeat as a team um, that really defines the the drumbeat or the heartbeat of how we get work done. So another system within that company operating system are our meetings. So each week we have a team meeting where the four of us get together on the phone. And we have a set agenda for those calls. And uh, a few of those agenda items are recurring. So we go over them every week. So one is that we check in on our active projects on our Trello project board. Um, number two is that we look at our editorial calendar. So what's coming up on the blog and podcast that we know what to expect. And then number three are what were the metrics for the past week? You know, how'd we do from a growth standpoint, how many customers did we add and that kind of stuff. And then the other agenda items are specific to what's going on in the week ahead or decisions we need to make as a team. Um, so that team meeting is really important. And we also have one-on-one meetings amongst team members because we're small. That means that we can all interact with one another on an every other week basis. So I have a call with Steph, I have a call with Chase, and I have a call with Corbett separate from the team meeting once every two weeks just to kind of catch up, get on the same page, see what's on each other's minds, percolate on ideas, that kind of thing. Now, the important thing about this is not that you do what we do or what someone else does. The important thing about it is you answer, you you solve problems that you realize you're having. Or you ask yourself, what do we need to keep problems like that from happening? 
right? Yeah. So the problems that we're solving here are like, for instance, we have a check-in check-out process that Steph mentioned or that we, we mentioned earlier. I'd write in the mon- on a Monday, here's what we're going to do. On the Friday, here's what I did, right? What problem is that solving? That's getting us all on the same page in terms of what we're working on this week. And I can see your priority list. I can see uh, that you're working on this, that, and the other. And maybe we had it both on our list to do the same thing. And now I know that this is on your list or not mine, or we can start a conversation about that. Okay, so that's the problem that it's solving is it makes us more efficient as a team. And it does this important, this this is what's really important. I find that like Corbett, when when you and I like haven't talked, like actually just hung out in a while, it like the it's same thing that happens like when my wife and I haven't talked for a while. Do you know what uh-huh. I mean? Like there's this... There's this communication factor that that gets better when we and when we do our one on ones, Barrett and Steph. Um, there's always it, it's interesting to see what things come up in those conversations with me with with you, Steph, that don't come up like in other team based conversations. This is all like these are all m- moments for uh, for relationship to start to start happening. And don't kid yourself; like you're in a community, you're in a small. Um, I remember hearing on some. Radio Lab episode or something that it the like these people these soldiers who came back from Iraq the the um they would res- respond like saying like that was the most that was my passionately my favorite time in my life even though I hated everything we were doing out there mm-hmm. why because you're on a small team with common goals and there's like and there's enough people to where you're doing a lot of work but not so much to where you can just fade into the background. Right. It's this really magic thing that starts to happen in a team. But what comes with that is this whole village mentality. Like we have to kind of look out keep, for each other, keep these relationships yeah. going as well as the productivity going. And, and, yep. and that, and so remembering the people inside the thing is a problem that needs to be solved. We do that with our one-on-one conversations, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so to me just the, for the show notes, Chase, that was, uh, or at least the one I heard on that topic was Stan McChrystal and his former aide de camp on Tim Ferriss's show. Okay. Got it. The important thing to me about having an operating system um, <laughs> mm-hmm. is just that you have a system and you you put a stake in the ground and you say, this is how I'm going to get work done so that then you can evaluate. You can try that for a while and you can say, how effective do I feel like I have been or our team has been at getting work done? And if you're not as effective as you would like to be, then you should tweak the operating system um, instead of just trying to, you know, uh, throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. That's the way I worked for a long time, which was just to try different things to see, you know, oh, maybe I'll keep a little to-do list on a piece of paper and see how that works. Or, you know, maybe this week I'll try every day to do X, Y, and Z. And you try a bunch of things and sometimes things work, but then you kind of move on and you drift and you fade and you forget about what worked and you're not systematic enough to really identify the things that have staying power that can keep you on task and keep you productive. Um, and we talk about this right now in the context of a team yeah. and uh, how important it is for a remote environment. But at the same time, if you're a one-person shop and you're still listening to this episode, um, you need a system as well. And I found that we have this operating system that we use as a team. Yeah. I also has a, have like a personal operating system and a lot of it overlaps with what we're doing as a team. But there are things that I do every week now just because I've recognized how important it is to yeah. have a system and to review that system and to be 
aware of why you're doing the things like the check-in and the check-out and the weekly team meeting and um, to give yourself time to review those and to make sure that they are still working and yep. that you're not doing it just for like, And you know. for me, as someone who's like the sort of, you know, the, the off-the-wall creative guy, oh, that trick was so crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm just a regular guy. I have feelings like you and me. I put my pants on one leg at a time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just that they're backwards. So, but like one of the things that's, that's always been a challenge for me is that the work can feel pointless. And then if I, if you give me a, a to-do list of a bunch of things to do, it's just going to feel... It's just going to feel like a pointless thing because, well, when I'm get these done, then there's just going to be another big list of shit to do. You know what I mean? And then when I do that, there's just going to be more lists, and it's just that it's ad infinitum, um, infinity, uh, stupidity. I just can we make that shirt infinity stupidity? <laughs> sure. <laughs> and the the hard part is not to do the work, but to do the work that matters and to understand what matters about the work that you're doing. And so that's where these systems come into play for me when we have these team meetings and we're reminded that like, oh yeah, we're doing the roadmap. Oh right. yeah, we're doing this, that, and the other. These right. are all the dependencies on the thing. And the roadmap is important because X, Y, and Z. And that's the part, uh, that's where all of our future growth stuff begins, right? So all of, for all of these reasons, you start to, you have to kind of get reminded of this stuff. And that's for me being the person who's not productive. I look at you guys and the way you work and the list that Barrett creates and the list that you too make, uh, Corbett, you're a pretty listy guy. And Steph, I haven't seen your list. I feel like that'd be inappropriate to just peek into your list drawer. You know what I mean? But, oh boy. Um, okay. So we're moving on to the tools section. All right. We've got 12 minutes to go, to go through our tools section. Are you guys ready for that? You think we can do it in 12 minutes? Let's do it. All right. Ready? Go. Slack. (laughs) (laughs) Done. I do love Slack. So we use Slack for, uh, instead of email between the team, it it actually, actually, this is actually the first time I really thought about it. We used to send emails to one another. Huh. Like about like, hey, can you get me the thing? I think that might've been before Barrett joined. Yes. Thank God. It was. Yeah. We were already on Slack by the time Barrett joined, but we literally used to send emails. Remember we used emails and then we tried to use Basecamp and we just... We floated between a bunch of tools and yep. nothing ever stuck. And I ended up really hating my inbox during that time. Yeah. Because not only were we um, sending important communications about project stuff, we didn't have like a like an instant messenger. Actually, no. we, we would send each other text messages sometimes. Other times we'd keep Skype open. Yeah. It was just a, a kludge of... <laughs> Of horrible. Uh, like, l- listen, just real quick. Uh, did you say kludge? Yes. <laughs> listen, I, I know a few other ooge words. I'm just wondering what exactly a kludge is. <laughs> a kludge? Um, that's it, a good question. You're looking for it. <laughs> so to me, when I think of kludge, I think of a, you know this... what you know what Donald Trump's hair looked like. That's like a kludge to me, right? <laughs> so is it is it like a kludge of hairs? Can that be a thing? Or uh, I guess Conan O'Brien has that same thing going, but a couple of gingers. You know, a couple of kludgy gingers we got going on over there. Anyways, so we do use Slack, and we love Slack. So a kludge is, uh, K-L-U-D-G-E, is a workaround or quick and dirty solution that is clumsy, inelegant, difficult to oh extend, and hard That's to maintain. This is like a, a real word? word or something. Yeah. Vocab it's a rough synonym. It's a rough synonym to the term jury rig. <laughs> Good. It's, uh, yeah, it's like an engineering term. So what Slack allowed us to do is it's not a kludge. It's yeah, an actual yeah. good solution for synchronous uh, conversation between the team. 
Yeah. And so then we don't need to beat the dead horse. We use it to, to talk with one another. There's a few channels we have in there. I think it might be helpful to, to mention the channels. We yeah, have one, just run through them real quick. one big general channel. We have, uh, what, there's also well, individual stuff for one-on-one stuff. Yeah. And so the, the thing that Slack has done for us, primarily it, um, gives us this like real time communication so yeah. that instead of sending an email and waiting three hours until somebody checks their email again, if it's important, you can say at, you know, Barrett, which will ping Barrett and say, yeah. it'll, it'll ding him or whatever on his, on his phone mm-hmm. um, and let him know that it's an important thing. And then he can write back right away. And then you have this like synchronous real time communication that can happen right. or it's like synchronous if, ping dinging, or if it's not, if it's not important, then, um, hold on. Then I'm, it can just sit there now. Yeah, that's right. I remember we ping McClooge and I was like, Whoa, what's that? And then I was really uncomfortable with that first, but now I'm kind of liking it. Oh God! <laughs> so yes, that is what it does, Corbett. I agree. It's nice because it's it, it will let you know when you need to check it. Yeah, um, so and I, got, I know we've I know we've ahead. talked about Slack a lot in the past, but it is probably our most important tool at this point, wouldn't you guys say? Well, it's, I mean, not that we can't replace it with anything, but just that that's where that's where we're we are in every day. Where it serves it, a, it serves a very important function. It is the heartbeat of our organization. That's where I mean, it's like Chevy in America. You yeah, know what I mean, as far as as far as team work and team communication right. goes we have other tools that we yep. love and rely on but they're not about they're they don't help us accomplish remote work yeah. so our other channels just real quick there's and again this goes back to the idea of your channel should be arranged around the jobs you need to get done with slack so for us the general one is just kind of whatever general conversation we need to have back and forth the check-in channel is where we post our check-in and check out uh, snippets each week the chat it channel is where we post things that we need other people to check out and edit, therefore chat it. Um, the customer feedback channel is where we post any feedback that comes in from our customers that we find uh, throughout Fizzle, whether it's the forums or email or whatever. And it's also where automatically our customer exit survey responses go. Um, so you can uh, make Slack sync up with other applications so that information automatically comes into it and you can find it all there. Mm-hmm. Um, the forum reply needed channel is where Steph posts forum threads that our team should respond to. The random channel is where you can find God knows what the <laughs> don't go sp- in there. Yeah. These, <laughs> <laughs> these sp- that's where chase lives in the random. channel. It, it's mostly, it's mostly where I post videos to my favorite artist, Thundercat. Uh, God. <laughs> The Sparkline comments channel is where we see comments from the blog. So if we, you know, we can get them all in one place. And then if we want a response one, we can jump over. And then suggested content are articles, videos, podcasts that we found around the web that we think would be interesting to the rest of the team. So that's how we use Slack. Yeah. And if, if um, you could use Slack just on your own, you wouldn't necessarily have to use it with a team because Slack allows you to automate a bunch of message feeds that normally would have gone to your inbox. Mm-hmm. And so for example, instead of getting an email every time somebody leaves a comment on the blog, now it just appears within a Slack channel. The benefit of getting that instead of an email is that a Slack channel is something you can just scroll through quickly, scan everything, and once you're at the bottom, the channel goes from highlighted in bold to just regular old text, yeah. and then you know that there aren't any more messages that you need to review there. Versus if it went to email, you'd have to click, open, read, hit archive, go back to your inbox, click, open, read, and it's yep. just this long process. So it probably takes like one-tenth the time to read messages in Slack versus it, what it does in email. Yeah. And so you could use that on your own. You wouldn't necessarily have to be part of a Slack uh, team 
necessarily. Yeah, and I mean, this is all free, by the way. And uh, and like I was saying on a previous podcast, well, we we actually pay for Slack at this point, but you can use it. What, where month. did they? Where I don't know. We look up how they how they change stuff, dear listener, uh, but, or what you have to pay for. But I mean, you can use it for free with like I don't remember how many people or or what the deal is. So, um, uh, <laughs> speaking of Thundercat, cool I do, story. I do want to pimp our WDS video that we made. Oh yeah. Um, I'm going to put that in the show notes. If you haven't seen this yet, it's a behind the scenes view of what it looks like when the fizzle team is all together in one place, uh, at a conference. It's pretty fun. There's a lot of little party scenes, a lot of little hangout scenes, um, cute little video and, and well, where that's where we reveal our, our corporate team song. Mm-hmm. It's just, so, it's just well, Chase's cute little video that he made. It's a tor- it's a team song video. It's very corporate. It's, it's good. Very I don't, corporate. I don't Super corporate. adopt that team song. I don't. <laughs> Barrett hates Majority rule. Okay, so we've gotten through one freaking tool, seven you guys. Seven minutes. Yeah. We have five minutes left. Okay, uh, Asana. Asana is what we use for all of our projects and tasks, all right? It's like any project and task management solution that you've used before. Uh, it has uh, threaded conversation about each, you know, little project or task. I find that we really don't use that very much. At least I don't. I've seen a few things where Barrett. Sometimes you'll add um, a handful of notes about a thing uh, that f- just for your records or to share with us or something like that. But a lot of times, it there's not like full on conversation going on in there the way there is going on in Slack. Would you guys agree? I think, uh, you know, examples of when we use comments are, for example, if we've done research for articles or podcasts, it's good to post one link and a quick summary of the link in a comment or things like that. So mm-hmm. sometimes it can be helpful for context, but not always conversation. Yeah. And if it's a task that I'm going to work on myself later, I'll add little notes about, you know, things that I need to remember to get yeah. done. Um, we could use Asana for a lot more communication, but it just seems to fragment things and, and yeah. it's not necessary. Yeah. Although once in a while, you know, you'll say, what was this all about? You know, again, because I forgot and yeah. then I'll respond and it, it does work. So the most, but mostly it's just a projects on the left and then it's just inside a shared the, task list. inside the project, there's a list, yep. you know, and, and now the, what's pretty powerful for us is we can assign different tasks to different people. Right. So we have a big roadmap, uh, minimum viable product project right now. This is the low, the like, we're going to release the roadmap when these things are done. And every, there's about, you know, 15, 20 tasks in there and they're all assigned to somebody. These are all dependencies that we have before we can launch this project. So that's really helpful because now when I log in, I just look at my tasks. I don't have to look at everybody else's task. I just see what's next for me. So uh, uh, this is definitely, it's one of many tools that you can use for this sort of thing. Uh, like Slack, it's kind of a leader in its field right now. Uh, there's, uh, there's alternatives to all these, but Asana seems to be making most of the moves. Slack seems to be making most of the moves. These seem like the companies who are growing. One more quick thing about Asana too, um, in terms of being able to assign tasks to people. If you happen to be onboarding anybody onto your team, I know speaking from somebody who has not been with Fizzle all that long, it was so helpful for me to, um, Barrett, I think it was Barrett, who um, assigned a bunch of recurring tasks to me that were going to be part of my core job. And those actually are still repeating for me to this day. And it was just really helpful for me to have context into what tasks are going to just be part of my daily and weekly routine. So I love that in Asana, you're able to just have those tasks continue to pop up. And like Chase said, people can assign them to others, which is really helpful when you're hiring somebody new. What's yeah, a couple the, examples of those repeating tasks, Steph? Um, well, for example, you know, sending out the This Week in Fizzle email. So the email that all of our Fizzle 
members get the highlighting the best conversations mm, yeah. that are happening in the forum. You know, I have to do that every single week, just sort of um, curate that email. And there's a bunch of other things as well, like moderating the forum conversations and making sure that we have our Fizzle Friday schedule planned and things like that. So those are things that are just on my plate constantly that really help me, especially in the beginning. Mm. You know, all yeah. of this um, talk of systems and, and tools and things that we do on a regular basis in order to be better at, at our jobs reminds me of one of my favorite quotes of all time, which is an Aristotle quote that says, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. I think the original Greek says, Aristotle, that's how you would pronounce it. Aristotle. Aristotle. Insightful addition to the conversation, Chase. Look at me. <laughs> What's going on outside? No, right I now? do. I they're do. Cleaning, uh, they're cleaning the, the sofa. Jesus, deal with it. I do um, love that quote, though, Corbett, because I, you know, I don't even think we realize some of the things that we have just inherent in the way we run this company, and I'm sure many other companies are the same. But to run a company remotely effectively does take real work and real systems and communication in place to make it work, uh, and and to make sure everyone's going in the same direction. So, you know, it's not yeah. something to be taken for granted, certainly. So uh, are there any other, like, essential tools? I mean, we use MailChimp, we use WordPress, we use IP but, boards for the forum. I mean, there's there's a bunch of other tools, but, like, but for those team tools? Really for team things. You know, Here's, I think, um, go ahead. I think Intercom is huge. I mean, obviously, oh, I, yeah. use inter I use Intercom every single day, but in particular, to be able to assign conversations to other people. So if something That's comes true. in um, to the general, you know, support at fizzle.co and it's more relevant to Chase or Barrett or Corbett, I can really easily assign that. And it's really helpful too, again, back to if you're bringing somebody new onto the team, you have insight into everybody else's inbox. So you can, you know, if you're hiring somebody, ramping them up, you can kind of make sure that they're getting the hang of things. And that's just not something that regular email um, gives you the capability to do it, from a sharing yeah. perspective. Yeah. So that's for our support and uh, basically our support email for the most part. Mm -hmm. And our pop-up messages within the forum and things like that. Yeah. And, and I could tell you, I could tell you like in the past when uh, it was just Caleb and I, we just shared a Google mail box to handle customer support. And it was a pain in the ass because you couldn't tell who had responded to what. You couldn't yeah. assign things. You couldn't add notes to it. And uh, it just makes so much more sense to use. A, if you have more than one person doing customer support, you need a team inbox of sorts. Yeah. Intercom is a great choice. There are others out there. Zendesk, Desk, yeah. Groove, whatever. There's a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, um, and then I guess it would be silly to not mention the fact that we use Skype regularly for most of our calls. And that's yeah, just we use Skype. We use uh, we use Skype. I mean, for all of our calls, we we use GoToMeeting and GoToWebinar when we do stuff with with customers, customers. with Fizzlers. Right. But uh, really, all of our in, uh, our in team stuff is all done on Skype. Any other big tools that we don't use that a remote company might use that we can think would be crucially important? <laughs> think about that question for a second. Yeah, what did that mean exactly? <laughs> I think one of the big takeaways for me from this is um, is really the idea of your challenges are, you're going to have a lot of the same challenges as us and you're going to have um, maybe some different values or some different challenges as well. Some things that are specific to your business type. Right. So, so really to the thing to look for is what are the problems you're currently having? Wow. We've had this conversation like 10 times over the last year and it's really inefficient to keep doing that. Uh, how do I, how do I get help you understand what, what this task means? Right. Um, that's a perfect ex opportunity for some 
company operating system stuff, right? Uh, to address that problem. Looking at things that way, and then not not just noticing the problems when they arrive, but but also um, doing a little bit of forethought. Like, because w- w- what you have here is a sense of, I want our business to do, to be like this and not like that, right? So how, what are the activities we can do that are realistic, measurable, manageable for my team to make it more like this and less like that you know so that like these kinds of things are about communication these things kinds of things are about everybody being on the same page these kinds of things are about sharing the vision and 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 things like that that keep people motivated to do the work that's all we're talking about here is how do we stay motivated enough to do the work how do we know what the work is how do we stay in relationship with one another and in community with one another so this is our way for managing those sort of potentially very challenging problems. Yeah. Yeah. I think my bottom line is that there's no reason you can't make a remote team just as effective as a, you know, co-located team. Um, You just have to pay attention to the tools, processes, systems, and the kinds of people that you bring onto the team uh, and, you know, set, set some boundaries and, and start using some tools and systems that you think will work yeah. and just pay attention and revise those tools. Make sure that your op, your company operating system is a living, breathing thing and that you involve the entire team in deciding which parts are working, which parts aren't um, to, to find out what works for the whole team because what works for you might be too heavy handed, you know, or yeah. too um, methodical for other people. And we've found that there's a balance there. Sometimes we try something and it just doesn't work. It doesn't stick for some reason. And there's no sense in like forcing some tool or system um, to work if you've tried for a while and it just doesn't seem to stick because sometimes it's just swimming upstream with the way that some people operate or the way that some people's um, minds, you know, see projects and and tasks and things. Totally. Uh, Steph, what are you thinking? Well, I was just thinking about the importance of regular feedback, which brings me to a system that we didn't necessarily go super in depth on, which is our regular review process. So just to talk about that really quickly, um, in this team, we do a review, sort of like a full review of your performance over the past six months, um, once midway through the year, and then again at the end of the year. And I think that's particularly, it's very important in any company, and and I think it tends to be something that's overlooked. Feedback can be a little bit uncomfortable, and it often falls to the bottom of the priority list. But I think particularly with a remote team, just sort of to Chase's point about the importance of getting to know one another and, and talking to each other on a regular basis, making sure that you're giving feedback to your counterparts to make sure that they're growing um, just the same way that we would if we were in an office is really important. So that's a big piece of it as well is just regular feedback and taking the time to, to give it to the people that you work with. My two, my two things I'd add here at the end are, number one, I would love if people thought more about what their company might become, what their business might become if they hired full-time people as opposed to part-time arm's length people like Corbett mentioned earlier. I think we underestimate way too often the power of a team for getting things done. And a lot of that comes from this four-hour workweek mentality, this idea that we can automate a business to work for us. And I think in some ways that was a reaction to this industrial system we created where we had these massive organizations without people close to the cause and mission and purpose of it. And so we lost our soul and our work. And now we've we've gone so far back the other way that I think we've lost the value and the worth that comes from working with the team. And so the first thing is don't underestimate the power of working with the team and don't sell yourself short on being able to hire full-time people if that's something that you think might drive your business forward. 
And the second thing is, um, just because we work remotely, just because 37 signal signals works remotely, it doesn't mean you have to work remotely in your business. You could very well have an office and be very happy with it and have people who perform at a high level working in that office. So yeah, consider it, but don't take it as dogma that that's the way you have to run your company either. Absolutely. I've been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. I've been Barrett Brooks. I've been Steph Crowder. And we'll see you there, or we'll see, see you another time. Boop, deep, So there you have it. Fizzleshow.co slash 122 is where you're going to find links to an article that Barrett wrote about our company operating system. Now, you can use this sort of system as a template to kind of write your own. You'll find a link there at fizzleshow.co slash 122. I've also included a little link to that WDS video I was talking about. Here's an iTunes review from Heather G. H., from the USA. I had to stutter there for a second because G underscore H. I don't know if we should be pronouncing the underscore. You know, on Twitter, my handle is Chase underscore Reeves, and I have a buddy uh, who just calls me underscore now, <laughs> which I kind of like. So, Heather underscore, that's what you're getting called now. All right, I'll get to your review here. Let, let me do that. Every episode, Heather says, every episode I listen to inspires me and gets me excited to improve my business. And somehow, while delivering all this valuable information, they manage to make it entertaining and funny. TGIF has become TGIFF. Thank God it's Fizzle Friday. All right. Thank you, Heather underscore from the US of A. Wouldn't it be great if you were like one of those radio guys? All right. You know our goal here is to help you budding business builders feel more comfortable in your own skin. And when you leave us a review, honestly, though, it does help. <laughs> you help us to do that better. So thank you to every one of you who's left us a review. And if you haven't yet, Please consider leaving us a review. In fact, don't even consider it. It's just a, it's just a decent idea. Do you like the show? Go to the iTunes store, search for Fizzle, click write a review, and let us know what you think. How we approach our work shapes that work, and the work we do shapes us. So how you work matters. Work from your gut and your heart. Pay attention and learn from what you're experiencing. Find care, take care. Serve hard and dig in. Thanks. And I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday. Oh, boop, boop, ba-doo.